Hi everyone and welcome back to the Parma podcast. Uh, I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. Really great to have you all here with us again. Um, and today, a new guest. Uh, I always love having new guests on. It's always great to talk to new people and hear new stories. So welcome to the show, Andrea DeWard. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, another one who we who I encountered on Twitter. Yes. A lot of my guests I seem to encounter on Twitter. That's probably gonna have to change soon because I don't think I don't think I'll be on Twitter much longer. Uh-huh. I don't think many of us will be. So uh, it'll probably be on threads or wherever else wherever people, wherever people are now. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's really great to have you here. We're gonna hear your story today and we're gonna talk a bit about grief, uh, as we often do. Yeah. So um, yeah, tell us a bit about, about yourself and like your background. Okay. Um, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church, which is kind of a conservative denomination within the Reformed tradition. Uh, Two years after college, well, one year after college, my husband and I got married, and then the next year we went to seminary together, and we became ordained in the Reformed Church in America in 2003. So I've been a pastor for 20 years and a few months. (laughs) Um, and in 2020, I started to pivot towards chaplaincy instead of pastor, instead of church work. And so now I'm a pastor, or oh, I'm a chaplain at an assisted care, li- assisted care, like a senior living community. So I work with a memory care unit as well as um, assisted living residents. Wow. How long have you been doing that? A couple of years. I am, well, I did my... To be a chaplain, you have to take a training called um, Clinical Pastoral Education, so CPE for short. So I did my first unit of CPE in 2020 to 2021. It was kind of an extended six-month program, and that kind of opens the door then for you to become a chaplain. Um, To be like a board-certified chaplain, you have to have four units, so I only have one unit. But I do have a lot of experience because of all my church work, of course, have walked alongside of a lot of um, families through diagnosis, through, you know, death, grief, um, sometimes sudden tragedies. Um, But now I'm kind of pivoting towards that pastoral care work within the chaplaincy realm. So I'm actually only in my new job for about a month so far. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's brand new. Did you get, so did you have to do any kind of, like, I don't want to say work experience. That's kind of... I mean, like, we've just been through a really difficult period yeah. in terms of what's happening in in those spaces, you know, with, you know, with the height of the pandemic. Yes, yeah. Um, COVID and, you know, I know that in this country that care homes were hit a lot and um, in America that was true as well. Yeah. Um, but, I when mean, I... even in your other roles, like, I mean, you must have been around a lot of death and, and grief and... Yeah, to deal with that on a regular basis in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, when we were first started as co-pastors at a church in 2003, we had a wide range of ages within our church, and we were there for about eight years. And so we saw the range from suicide, a child, like a six-month-old child dying, Mm -hmm. to, you know, older beloved members of the congregation who'd been a pillar of the community for decades, you know, diagnosis with cancer and pass away or car accidents. Um, So there certainly 
in the many years of pastoral ministry, have walked alongside a lot of people with that in congregations, but then also within our own families. Um, my dad died from cancer in 2011. Oh, so and then so. more recently, my, when I started my chaplaincy training, I actually was doing it in a mental health facility and I was working on an older adult unit. So I did work with older adults and yeah, we had to do the mask and the shield and have a lot of protocols and all of that. So, but just this week, um, we had three people die at the assisted care facility. And so I got a chance to pray with two of the people and their families on Monday. And that was just a really holy experience to just sit, you know, both of them that I prayed with were um, no longer really responding. They weren't really talking or eating or drinking anymore, but that sense that they can still hear you and feel your presence and feel your love. And so that felt like a real honor to pray with them. And then I met with one of the families again on Wednesday and they asked me to do the graveside service. I'm going to do that on Monday. Oh, wow. Wow. I can't even imagine what that's like. Um, You know, to have to deal with that on a regular basis, you know, and yeah. Uh, in that kind of role where you, which requires a lot of empathy and a lot of sensitivity and it's a heavy weight to carry. Um, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's why I don't envy pastors really because <laughs> that side of the job is, you know, it's, you get those sacred moments like I, like you talked about. Um, yeah. But there's a weight as well, isn't there, that you have to yeah. carry. How How do you... How do you process you your I mean it must be even though yours it's not somebody that maybe you're not losing somebody, but it's still an effect on you, you know. Yeah. That's, you know Definitely that's, when we were pastors of a church, um, the longer we were there, the more life we had lived with people um through, mm-hmm. you know, many ups and downs and many meals together and planning teams and all all kinds of activities. So I definitely found that the longer we were at that you know, first church for eight years, I loved those people too. And so I myself felt like I was grieving. Um, But it also felt very, such an honor and privilege to, to be able to speak from a place where I did know and love them, allowed me to speak like at funerals, or, or just in like a pastoral care capacity. Like that really meant a lot to families. They could see that, you know, we're tearing up sometimes too, and they can see that we loved their mom or their sister or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. it's a, it is a real, it's an honor. It's a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, but you asked how I deal with it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, because you're, I mean, if it's something that you're, it's almost like something you're dealing with on a, almost on a day-to-day basis or at least, on a regular basis, you know, yeah. it's not, a, you know, it's not like a like you know most people when they go experience grief, it's like, you know, you lose a you lose your parents and right. you lose, you know, some maybe somebody else. But it's like it's quite spaced out, even though it's, it's still right. painful. And I know that from personal experience, having yeah. lost my one of my parents. But it's like when you're dealing with it, all, like, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you know, it must be. I guess you need to have some kind of ritual or process to, mm-hmm. you know, to deal with those emotions and yeah. everything I, that you're carrying. Yeah. I think a lot of times um, I would be able to like hold it together 
and feel like a calm, calming presence for other people. Um, like a, yeah, just bring a sense of peace and calm to the situation. But then it would be afterwards that my body was like holding that and holding it in. And then after leaving the room or, or being done with the funeral service, then it would really hit me. And then I would just cry and, you know, you're almost shaky because you've been carrying other people's grief, but also your own grief and kind of holding that in. And so then, I mean, sometimes it was like right afterwards, you know, I'm, I leave, I go sit in the office for a minute and I'm just weeping because you've been holding that tension, you know, sometimes for days or weeks. Um, I definitely think the hardest one was um, the six month old baby though. That, that was, that was by far the hardest one. Um, Right as we were about to walk into the funeral service, because Um, You know, sometimes the pastors will walk in after everyone's seated. And there was another woman who was going to be doing the service with me. And I said to her right before we were supposed to begin, I said, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, Because I had known this young woman and her children. And and we had been walking alongside her since her baby had heart issues, you know, for the six months of his life. And I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Because I was just feeling like I'm about to lose it myself. Um, and she just grabbed my hand and she said, we're going to do it together. We're going to get through it together. And that was just kind of the calm that I needed from her in that moment. Another pastoral figure um, to remind me like, okay, you're not alone in this. You're not carrying this alone. We'll, we'll, we'll do it together. And that, I think that was definitely the hardest one. Cause I had, you know, young kids, at, young kids at that time too. And yeah, and it's just not the it's not the way it's supposed to be, you know. You do expect yeah. that your parents and grandparents will eventually pass away, but I just the the loss of a child is oh. I think so absolutely devastating. I can't even imagine what that must be like. You know, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I can I can definitely uh, understand that being so difficult yeah because like you say when you kind of when people get older you kind of almost kind of half expecting it Mm. you know to a certain extent especially if they've been ill for a while right yeah Uh, and you know know, they've had a good life and they've had a long life and they've lived and they've you know they've done well I guess they've had um and but when it's a when it's a, a six month old baby, I mean, it's just I I can't, yeah, yeah. Those are the ones where you get like, I guess, where there's questions of like, how could you allow this to happen? You know, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I can get someone older dying. That's part of life. But mm-hmm. why would why 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 would why 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 let a baby die? Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So definitely, yeah. I mean, it must be. I know when when my mother died, I I, I tried to be strong for everybody and look after everybody, and right. um, what I ended up doing was burying my grief and not dealing with it. Right. And it manifested a lot of anger, and you know, I had problems for for a while. Uh, when you're trying to be a pastor in that circumstance, how how 
do you navigate that? Because you're obviously trying to allow the people who are who've lost their loved one to grief, right? And yeah. you've got to somehow keep it together, like you like you say. Um, yeah. But it but it's so easy to just allow that to just like sink in and just become hardened to it and mm. let the let the kind of the pain the grief just become just not get processed and just be strong yeah well, how do you manage to kind of navigate that well <laughs> i i don't hide my emotions well <laughs> i actually don't stuff them very well um so i I let it be okay. You know, if I tear up, if I choke up for a minute, that's okay. And I, I think that the family recognizes and they see either because you cared about their loved one as well. And that means a lot to them that you also are grieving that or just that. So for instance, this family that I just met this, this week, whose mother died, I did get choked up when I was talking to them on Wednesday. Um, I didn't like, you know, fall apart or anything, but I think it's because when I see them tear up, when I see them choke up, like I can relate to that because I did lose my dad. And so when that happened for me, I didn't, I did not have a, tr a deep, true sense of grief until my own dad died. And then it felt a whole new level. And I had walked alongside a lot of people already. I did grieve myself with them. I felt tremendous empathy and compassion. But until I lost my own dad, like that was something I just was not prepared for. The level of like gut-wrenching. I mean, like I, it's hard to even put into words, like that guttural mm. pain and loss and just sense of like something ripped away that's so integral to your life and it was really hard and painful but I also see how that has been used to then make me more empathetic and I mean I've always kind of been a very compassionate like feel everyone else's feelings all the time anyways but it gave me a new level of understanding and I was, I think I was 36 when my dad died. And it was, I mean, just such a strange experience that within the next two to three years, I had like four or five different women friends around my age who also lost their dads. And, you know, that 36, that feels pretty young to lose. You know, my dad was 57 when he died and that felt way too young for me, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But that like gave me this like immediate connection to my different friends who, um, you know, within the months and couple years following when they lost their dad, I was like, my heart was broken for them in a way that I couldn't have understood it previously. Mm, that sounds familiar. I, my mother died when I was 23. Oh, wow. Um, my sister was 20. Uh, and she was 52 wow. and so you know it's kind of similar and you know we, we're all quite we're all very young yeah very um, young. and yeah I mean 23 is like you know yeah. quite, um, I mean it's 23 years ago now um, okay. which is quite amazing but um, yeah but you're right it kind of when but nobody I knew lost a parent 
right. for a long time, you know. Right, yeah. In fact, most of my friends still have their parents with them. Like some of them have lost parents and I've been able to, that's been able to be, I've been able to be supportive and, mm-hmm. you know, empathetic. And you're right, you kind of, in my conversations with people who've lost someone for this podcast mm-hmm. even, what right. I've noticed is there's some there's some shared experiences Definitely. that you have, shared emotions, shared like habits, shared little like reactions that you only get when you've lost a parent, and and that kind of it was nice to know that I wasn't alone, but it was also nice to be able to pass on what I'd what I'd learned from my experiences, yeah, to help other people that I cared about and. Uh, and that is that is a privilege in itself, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to use your grief to um, help others and support others and help them navigate their grief is. It is, yeah. You know, it makes you feel like it wasn't worth. It was not that it was, you know, that the that, that experience of grief wasn't for nothing. You know that right. yeah. uh, that it meant something and that, that it can help other and it can help other people and yeah. um, that's definitely I mean, yeah. When I when I think about that aspect of it, of um, being able to use your experiences of pain to then like walk alongside other people. Um, I, I mean, I am absolutely against when people say like, Oh, God put you through that so that then you could learn this lesson or you could equip you for this. I yep. absolutely reject that. But mm. what I do hold on to is that there's a comfort in the sense that, okay, we all are going to have pain. We all are going to suffer. And so just as people were there for me, I can be that same thing for someone else. I wish nobody had to go through it. I wish I didn't go through that. I wish no one else would go through this pain and suffering, whatever that form that looks like. But um, there is a real gift. Just as we, in our own grief, like we need people to come alongside us. that is an honor and privilege to walk alongside other people in the you know subsequent times. I remember um, when Shannon Dingle's um, husband Lee died, and different women who had also lost their husbands at a young age. You know, they said like, "You're joining a club that no one wants to be a part of," mm. but yet all of those women who understood that experience, I think like they reached out and just tried to show love and compassion. And I've seen Shannon do the same thing. Um, Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Like this is a club, whether it's a group of people who've lost their children or a spouse or that, that thing of this you're you're part of a club that no one wants to be a part of, but we're going to, those who are in it, we're going to take care of each other. Yeah. I think that's really I remember what happened with Shannon as well, uh, and just yeah, it was de- devastating. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, it was horrible, and I was I, you know I tried to be as supportive as I could. I didn't know her too well at the time, but I was just yeah. trying to offer solidarity and just mm-hmm. space because that's what that's what she needed, you know. And, and like you say, we've kind of got each other, yeah. you know. It's kind of a it's a club, like you say, no one, no one wants to be in this club. But right. but when you meet people who are, who, who are You're right. you feel less alone. Yes. You feel safe. 
Yes. You feel like you can say whatever you feel about it. You can say whatever you think about it. You mm-hmm. can, you're there with people. You can talk about your experiences and they understand. Right. Even if it wasn't exactly the same experience for them, they understand yeah. what that feels like. Yeah. You know, um, like that just, you know, that kind of desire to scream into the, right. <laughs> it's like, you know, just, and it's not even anger, it's just grief. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, there's so many experiences that you have when you lose a loved one that you, you can't explain to somebody who hasn't. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many aspects of, and this, I was saying that um, before we started, I asked if you had listened to Rob Bell's um, couple of podcasts that he did on the death of his dad. It was, I think, around June or July that he posted the podcasts and one of them was called Son of a Judge. And then the other one that was a follow-up was called Still Son of a Judge because his dad was a judge. And um, he kind of commented on the same thing that even though he'd been a pastor for people for many years, um, that nothing could really prepare him. And he and his dad had dementia and he had known for a long time that eventually, you know, his dad was going to die. And so he had kind of done this pre-grieving work, which I think a lot of people do you know, if someone's dying of cancer or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, like, you know, that there's kind of this shorter timeline, there's an end, and you do some of that grieving work ahead of time. But, you know, he made the comment, and I would say that's totally my experience too, until it actually happens, like, there isn't really something that can prepare you for that. It's still this, like, gut-wrenching. And then also this aspect he talked about, like, um, you know, you can be going through your day feeling like you're fine. And then just the most random thing can trigger that grief again. And then you're just immediately weeping. Um, And it's so you cannot predict it. The things you think might make you cry, maybe don't. And then the other things that, you know, you think they're totally mundane. And yet that's the thing that just makes you break down. You can be watching a TV show and a scene happens, which reminds you of something or, a song comes on randomly out of nowhere that that that, that reminds you of something, or yeah, or something happens that reminds you of a memory, or yeah, you know, something it can be anything. And yeah, but I like I kind of I say I like those. I I think those things are good in that I'd rather not know they're coming because then they can then right. I can have the most natural reaction to them. Yeah, and not try and be strong. You know, not like try and stop myself from feeling it like yeah I didn't cry for two weeks after my mother died and that was because I was being strong for everybody else right yeah and, the, and that's exactly and what what happened is we were preparing the funeral and we we, we played one of the songs we were going to put play at our funeral and that did it for uh, me yeah I wasn't expecting it right and I even apologized when I cried and my sister was like uh-huh. don't apologize like, right. <laughs> okay I've been waiting for you to cry you know yeah. um and after that I just cried you know a lot after that but it's yeah but, it's, yeah, but it, yeah it's always things that you don't expect mm-hmm. um just randomly out of nowhere yeah um, I was watching the tv show this is us um, oh yes, yes. mom dad and three siblings and their dad dies when they're fairly young and yeah, goes back in the timeline, back and forth. There was an episode where they went up to their family's cabin and they found the plans that their dad had drawn up, architectural plans for like a new, bigger cottage. And that 
and it had been years already since my dad had died in 2011 by the time I watched this. And that just, I lost it because before my dad died, because he was in construction and he worked with his hands, he had drawn up plans to build us a new deck that our deck was like shaky, wobbly. He had drawn up plans to make a new deck for us, but he never had the chance to build it. And so I saw this, you know, this TV show of these kids many years later, seeing these plans that their dad had built, but had never had the chance to build it. And that was very unexpected for me, but wow, it was just this like huge wave of grief of just, yeah. you know, and that's kind well, of the beauty of art, you know, of, of a yes, movie yes, or it, song. Yeah. it can yeah. help us connect to things that um, sometimes we have a hard time reaching those places of grief and releasing that. And there's often mm-hmm. like so many, as they say, the, the, the layers of the onion. Um, yeah. It, it can be a really beautiful thing to have uh, media, so different forms, be able to help us access. Yeah. Their- and really you mentioned this is us because I remember watching an episode of This Is Us, This Is Us, mm-hmm. where they're all traveling in the car, they're on this long journey as a family, and they put on Graceland. <laughs> yeah. Right? Now, Graceland was my mum's favorite album. Oh, wow. And we used to listen to that album in the car when we went on holiday and right. drove down to the south of France. Wow. And when that, when that scene came, it was literally like a reenactment of yeah. my childhood. Right. I was absolutely in bits because it was just like right. it was. It was like it was just like this. This is oh. this is us. Like yeah. <laughs> literally, um, this is what we did. Like, um, uh, and yeah, because of course you know because the father's going to die, mm-hmm. uh, and also that I think those those scenes in the past are set in the in the eighties. I think. Yeah. Nineties, uh, yeah. which is when we were doing that. Right. Well, so it was. Um, yeah. Well, that was. That was one of the one that one of the things, yeah. you know. And, um, yeah, but um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I love movies. That they often mm-hmm. um, so many great stories are about grief and recovery mm-hmm. in movies. Like, like I've said this on the podcast before. Most superhero stories, is certainly superhero origin stories, right, are about the superhero losing somebody, right, and responding to that by becoming a hero like um and and like you know batman is like a a way of avoiding processing grief and Mm -hmm. it's only when he gives up being batman that he gets healed for example Mm -hmm. but like like maybe that's one of the reasons i love i mean i've always loved superheroes but but i yeah i think there's such a there's such a good healthy space for good art which can tap into our you know grief and allow us to process it and it can be of any kind it can be poetry it can be music it could be movies tv anything yeah um and that's really really important for me anyway uh and it's different for everyone obviously it'll work differently for everybody um, right. and different things will will um you know will trigger things but but yeah it can be really really uh, therapeutic yeah i appreciate that it's very meaningful. Um, yeah. No, it is. It is. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, that um, that's that that's that that story from Rob sounds very uh, very powerful too. Um, yeah. I always recommend my, my listeners listen to the Robcast. It's a great podcast. Rob has been on this show a couple of times, so um, definitely recommend that that series. Um, yeah. 
and uh, yeah, but um, so like, and how is being around the dying mm-hmm. on such a regular basis changed you? I think um, it definitely gives me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the sense of the fragility of life and the unpredictable nature of it, um, that you don't have guarantees. And so trying not to take things for granted. But I think I still um, have that tendency to become complacent and just kind of float along in life sometimes. And then the next time that I am confronted with, um, which I feel like now that I'm doing this work at the assisted living facility, it feels like an almost daily thing that I've been reflecting on for the past four weeks or so, because I had a little while where I wasn't doing as much. Um, actually, I actually kind of stayed away from church for about two and a half years during the pandemic. And only a year ago did I feel like I had enough healing to go back into a church community. And so I feel like I have been away from some of that ministry oriented stuff for a while, but doing this job every day, I'm talking to people and even just the grief that comes with transition of someone who has to let go of their house, maybe give up their driving um, license. They have to downsize because they're moving from a house or a condo into this, you know, small kind of apartment in a nursing home. Um, Or, you know, this is a kind of a senior living community, but there's so much grief even before, you know, even if you yourself don't have a cancer diagnosis or whatever, so many people there have lost a spouse or they've, they've just gone through so much grief. And so it's definitely been at the forefront of my mind the past four weeks of, wow, um, this is where all of us are headed eventually. Um, Some of us die young and, and suddenly, but most people are going to go through this aging process and this process of slowly losing um, certain functions. And so it's made me more aware um, just of even disability, um, people who live with that their whole lives, and also those who, you know, slowly become disabled as they become older. So I, I've definitely been living in this space of just feeling a lot of gratitude and, but feeling very sober, I guess, um, the sober reality of aging and loss and transition um, and just trying to appreciate what I have in front of me right now. Yeah, that resonates. Um, I mean, my, yeah, my, I've been, my, I've had a lot of um, things in my my birth family this year, which have been mm. very difficult. You know, my, my dad's been in the hospital twice and mm. I've had other members of the family who been close to death wow. um, survived. Yeah. Um, so um, and my cousin passed away. Um, mm. It was the same age as me pretty much. So wow. it was, so it's been that kind of, so I've been thinking a lot about that this year mm-hmm. and, you know, and obviously like being, the age that I am as well you know I'm thinking about that kind of second half of life right yeah in a sense like and what's that going to look like um and 
you know, trying to learn from what I'm seeing in the generation ahead of me. Right. Um, and like you say, trying to make the most of every moment. And um, one of the things I've said to people is that grief often uh, allows you access to a deeper joy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, because you because you realize how precious life is. Mm-hmm. And you and so the things that are good you celebrate them more. Yeah. You feel them more deeply because you because you you want to make sure that you don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know how you know how because there's a, a more gratitude for those things, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, you know, my dad died when he was 57, and my husband's parents are just a couple years older than my parents. And so, you know, we had a 70th birthday party for his mom and then for his dad first and and also for his mom. And like, I, I, I'm a pretty creative artsy person. And so I did a lot of work on putting together like, um, kind of a memory book we did for his dad. We did 70 things that we love about Papa and um, did kind of this elaborate slideshow with pictures and facts and all of this. And it was, it felt so good to like be able to do that for my father-in-law. And I also grieved that I didn't have the chance to do that for my own dad. But because, because I had had that loss, it also like made it really special and fun to be able to celebrate and do that for my husband's dad, my father-in-law. Um, so yeah, I, I totally understand that part of having lost something also helps you appreciate and find joy when you do have those moments of joy, because you know that it can be fleeting. So yeah, I think that the depth of your love and grief also can be resonated within the the heights of your your joy and appreciation of things. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah, uh, and laughing as well. Like I, <laughs> you laugh at things that you wouldn't have laughed at before. Oh, oh my word! And there's things you don't take as seriously and. You're able to laugh even when you're in the midst of a difficult time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it just, I don't know how that happens in your brain. It's, it's something, something about experiencing grief and you know, losing somebody you, you care about unlocks that. It's like a, yeah. it's like a weird logic. And it's like this, you know, when things are going wrong, you can almost laugh. Yeah. Somehow. And it's difficult to explain to people who, haven't experienced that yeah because it's something that happens i think when you go through a bit of trauma um uh, especially if you lose someone yeah because you somehow have a different perspective on the on the whole world Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there can be it can seem to other people like a very irreverent humor like how could you possibly laugh at a time like this or how could you think that's funny but you know in those like days and weeks after this tremendous loss, like that is part of the release. You've done plenty of your crying or your, your depths of despair and grieving. And then there's that, there is those things that are just a relief that um, a release to be able to laugh. So 
for instance, my dad was cremated and my mom and sister and I went to the funeral home, you know, maybe a week or late later or whatever to pick up his ashes. And it was lunchtime and there was a restaurant across the street that my dad used to like to go to. And we were driving, we're going to go to lunch. And my sister just says, well, what are we supposed to do with dad? Just leave him in the car. And we just all burst out laughing, which may seem like terrible gallows humor, whatever you want to call it. Um, But like we had done plenty of our grieving. And so that was just the funniest moment to us of like, do we buckle the container into the, you know, do we buckle it into the seat? Do we just leave dad here as we go into lunch? And for us, it was a hilarious moment that kind of gave us a relief and a release that we really needed. We needed to be able to laugh. Yeah, I had I had something similar with like about a year ago. I I moved house and I and of course the one thing that I lost in moving was this little pot of my mum's ashes. Oh wow! There was some. There's still some more left. It's not yeah, okay disaster, but it was like I was I was really upset, obviously. And my cousin, who knew my mother really well, and is a lot like her, actually, mm-hmm. he said, but that's typical as your mum. She's always mysterious and aloof, and she's always, you know, she's, she was a scatterbrain. Of course, of course you can't find it. Like, um, you know, and that made me laugh. You know, right. It's like, she's right. She's right. right. <laughs> it's just like her. Um, and those sort of things help, you know, because you kind of takes the edge off things. Um, right. And um, it gives you a good memory. <laughs> yeah, I think. you need that. You need that sometimes. And it and it may not make sense to other people, but you know, you yourself know what you've been through, and you just yeah, it's almost like those inside jokes with the people that know you best. You know. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my dad and my sister have all had like inside jokes about mum over the years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's just great. It's really great. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, kind of to wrap up, what what is the biggest lesson that you've learned hmm. in you know in your experiences of grief, of losing people, and of being around people who are dying, uh, and around families who've lost someone? I am grateful that it has normalized the process of death for me that I'm not uncomfortable with it. Um, I can't say that I won't be afraid myself when I face it. Like, I always thought that because I've been around it, that I myself, if I faced it, I would be calm. But then there was a time really early in the pandemic when um, I was terrified of getting COVID. And I had a COVID scare. And I just, I had, I, I thought, oh my word, yeah, I'm not calm at all. I'm terrified. What if, what if I have COVID? What if I die? And I'm so young and my family, I'm leaving my family. Um, But I do think that it has normalized the process of death to the point that at least with other people, I'm able to be around them. You know, some people are really afraid of hospitals. They're really uncomfortable seeing someone else in pain. It's certainly not comfortable for me. I, I hurt to see other people hurting, but I'm able to kind of hold that having been exposed to it um, so that I am able to go into a hospital room or the nurse, you know, the um, assisted living facility. And I can sit next to someone who's 
breath is slow and labored and I can sit with them and be calm and just try to help their family be calm. And I feel like that's a real gift. Partly it's just kind of innate within me of my, my makeup as a person, but certainly the experiences have um, given me that gift. And I was, I was there when my dad died and it felt like a really holy moment. And it was an honor and privilege to be there. So I think that that is a gift that I've been able to give other people then who are going through it for the first time. It's scary to see your loved one. And so to be able to just even just say, yep, this is part of what the body does at this point. It's okay. Like, just keep, you know, we can talk to them. They can hear you. They feel your love and presence. And just trying to be a calming presence, I think, is um, a gift that I've really developed over over time and having been through it a number of times. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. This has been really, really good. I've really enjoyed this yeah, conversation. It's, yeah. It's good yeah. to talk about these things. Yeah, I think. It and it's good for ourselves. It's also good for other people to hear it, I think, yeah. as well. Yeah, I really appreciate that you're kind of focusing on this topic because everyone has, either they they already have or they will, um, and just the various kinds of grief too, not just the death of a person, but there's a lot of different things that we grieve with transitions, yeah. even when they're good transitions, even when there's good changes, there's still a yeah. process to go along yeah. with. Absolutely. I'm getting my dream yeah. job, but I'm leaving behind coworkers that I love. Or I'm yeah. graduating from school and I'm excited about my future, but also my friends at school, I'm not going to see them every day or, you know, whatever. There's just so many things that yeah. we don't think of grief as more than just the death of someone, but it's healthy for us to recognize. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My dog is going to start barking now because my daughter's coming home. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, so. <laughs> barking until she comes in. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, now he'll calm down. She's in. Totally alive, everyone. This is what it's like. Um. <laughs> hey, we made it through like almost, yeah, 40 some minutes without him. Uh, interrupting us so that's pretty good yeah, that's pretty good that's pretty good um so where can people find your work um, um my handle is go show love pretty much everywhere um that's what it's been on twitter twitter has been the main place where i like to be and so i've still hung on i don't really know <laughs> where else to go um, I do have a Facebook page that's Go Show Love, and um, I started, you know, I made a blue sky thing, Go Show Love, and my actual website is down right now, but I need to get it fixed up, because I, I actually have a lot of writing on grief um, on my website, which is andreadoward.com, but I have to get it back up and running, because I switched uh, switched server providers, whatever you want to call that. Oh, yeah, that's always, yeah. I, 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 I now. migrate over. I have all the material still, but... I literally, yeah. it's like, I haven't had the spoons to deal with this. This just, <laughs> I've let it go. So, yeah, I need to put that back together. But that's andreadeward.com. And go show love is kind of my thing everywhere. So, Fantastic. 
Great. Highly recommend it, everyone. Um, and um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you.